0: I speak for me and actually, you know what, guys, I'm just gonna mute everybody now. Okay, everybody should now be muted. Great. And I'm just making sure Okay, we're good to go. So, thanks again, everybody. Hello, and to those who were just uh, listening on the recording, we were just taking two seconds there to mute everybody. So, I am now welcoming you, welcoming you to the June 5th OARI speaker meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. My name is Sherry, I am a compulsive overeater and bulimic, and I am your host for this meeting. OARI stands for Recovery Inspires Shared Experiences, and we are really glad that you're all here. As with all OA meetings, OA RISE is run entirely by OA members who are volunteering their time to make this meeting happen. On occasion, there are glitches in online meetings that cannot be anticipated. Please bear in mind that we are doing our best, so we ask that you take any negative uh, reactions to your sponsors. However, we would be happy to hear from you if you would like to provide us with kind and constructive feedback. Thank you for your support. Uh, Will all those who wish, please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity, to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Uh, Unity and diversity policy is as we extend the heart and hand of the OA Fellowship to those who still suffer, let us be mindful of OA's unity and diversity policy, which respects our differences, yet unites us in the solution to our common problem. Whatever problems you may have with food, you are welcome at this meeting. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. So this is a speaker meeting. At this time all attendees are muted. This meeting is being recorded so that an audio only recording can be posted on the oarise.org website. And I'll just take a minute to say now, actually, if you haven't listened to any of our previous speakers, please do go to the oarise.org website and um, click on the, um, excuse me, click on the the link where you actually can listen to all of the speakers from the last two years. Um, Should there be a question and answer at this meeting and you have a question for the speakers but don't want your voice heard on the recording, please send your questions to one of our co-hosts. Uh, which today is Audrey, myself, Janice, Jan, and Connie. Um, And we will be happy to read your question out for you. So here's just a few quick tips about participating in this Zoom meeting. The chat feature is currently turned off and it will remain so until the end of the meeting. You may chat with any of the co-hosts if you need assistance. Please note that speakers are only listed as co-hosts so that they can have ease of access to use all the Zoom features which reminds me right now, I've actually not made our speaker a co-host. <laughs> so now I have done so. There we go, Janice is our co-host. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, so uh, Janice will not be able to respond to questions in the chat. So if you have any questions or concerns during the meeting, please ensure you're, you communicate with the tech hosts only. Um, you can change your name as it appears in Zoom. If you'd like to do so, just go to the participants tab at the bottom of your screen and the list of attendees will open up in the window. Just select your own name and uh, click on the tab that says more and you can choose to rename. Out of courtesy to the other attendees and the speakers, if you get up and move around during the meeting, if you need to eat, check your phone or talk to somebody who is in the room with you, please turn off your video feed so that your actions will not be distracting to others. If it is necessary, we we may turn off your video feed but we'll be happy to turn it back on when you're ready. At that time, just send a message in chat to any co-host, and they will enable your video for you again. Uh, Please note that specific foods may be mentioned at this meeting, and we will take a five-minute break at the end of the first hour, and then 45 minutes later, as we do end uh, after two and a half hours, whatever timeline that is for you, um, wherever you are in the world. Uh, and finally, just a reminder that opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. So can I please now have, I apologize, who said they were going to read the 12 steps? Was that Audrey? Were we, you reading the 12 steps, Audrey? No, Phyllis. Oh, it's me, oh, Phyllis, and, the, please. and they unmuted me, thank you.
1: Um,
0: did you want me to start
1: with really, have we seen It fail or just the steps itself? Oh, that's the, um,
0: yeah, rarely, that's the big book, how it works. So just the steps is great, please.
1: Just the steps. Okay, I can do that. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. I am Phyllis. I am a grateful, abstaining, compulsive overeater. Hi,
2: Phyllis.
1: One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives became unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives overtake care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends wherever possible, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me share.
0: Thanks so much, Phyllis. Okay, and was it Mary who was willing to read the 12 traditions? It was Audrey. Oh, Audrey. Okay. Oh, I thought, oh, yeah, my apologies. Okay, go ahead. No. Oh, and I'm, I'm yeah, I'm just, yeah, and I'm just yakking away and I was muted myself. Uh, sorry, go ahead, Audrey. I apologize. Mary was going to read the preamble, I think, and I went ahead and read that. In. Sorry, Mary. Thank you for your willingness to share. Go ahead, Audrey. Hi,
3: everybody. My name is Audrey. I'm a food addict. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Our common, one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. 11 our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion we need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press film sorry at the level of press radios film television and and other public media of communication and 12 anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions Ever reminding us to place principles before personalities.
0: Thanks so much, Audrey. Okay, um, just a reminder about our seventh tradition. According to our seventh tradition, we are self-supporting through our own contributions. We send all contributions in excess to our expense, sorry, of our expenses directly to the World Service Office to help carry the message to other compulsive eaters. Our meeting expenses here are a Zoom subscription and the OA Rise website which includes the cost of extra storage so that we can upload the speaker recordings for you. Contributions can be made by PayPal to our email address, which is info at oarise.org, or you can visit our website at oarise.org and click the Contribute Now button, which is easily found on the home screen. We'll show you how to do that later. And a suggested donation of $3 will allow the OARise speaker meetings to continue. Should you be somebody who wants to send a check Um, Please feel free to reach out to any of the co-hosts, and we will let you know where the address is to send your check to. Um, Okay, so it is now my great pleasure to introduce our speaker for today, Janice. Um, She will be speaking on the spiritual journey and the 12 steps. And I'm turning it over to you now, Janice. And I know that you have a couple of handouts. Just let me know if you want those posted at any time. Um, And also I will end up posting the link so that people can access those on their own uh, on the Google Drive afterwards. Thank you so much. Take it away, Janice.
4: Hi. I don't know about you guys, but I need to start with a prayer. So, God, I offer myself to you to do with me and to build with me what you want. Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do your will. Take away my difficulties, the victory over them. May bear witness to those I would serve of your power, your love, and your way of life. May I do your will always. Amen. Okay. How come they asked me to speak at this well meeting? This is my version. Three years ago, about, I went in for my annual physical, which would have been April of 2019. I was 68 years old. My weight was 233.5 pounds. And I walked out of the office finding out that I had early stage non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. My A1C was 5.7, making me pre-diabetic. My blood pressure typically ran in the 170s over 75 to 80, high blood pressure. And upon a little research, I found out that this put me in line for something called metabolic syndrome, which put me at very high risk for cancer, heart disease, and stroke. I decided I didn't like that idea very much, and I also knew from past experience that when I go up against a plate of food, it wins. That's just the way it is. Food wins. So I knew one position that worked. I got down on my knees. I said, okay, God, if I'm done, I'm done. Take me quick. Don't let me suffer. But if I can be of service to you, help me with this. So here I am, my weight is now 171.5. My liver values are normal, little high normal, but they're normal. My A1C is down to 5.2. My blood pressure typically runs 120 over 65. I left out cholesterol. In 2019 it was running 229 overall. Now it's down to 180. Program works. It took me a long time to find something that worked. But I found it. It's here. It's hard to say exactly. <laughs> that- oh, I do too know what changed. I sat in the room for years, and I listened to people say, listen to both versions before you decide, and I heard people saying, abstinence is the most important thing in my life without exception, and I tried, and I tried, and I tried to take that and make it fit me. But the straps wouldn't go around because there was always something that was more urgent at the time. Then I heard someone say, there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that is more important in my life than the ongoing awareness of the presence of God. Well, I could get behind that. For me, that was a goal worth working for. How long have I been abstinent? (laughs) 62 pounds worth. I am not who I want to be. I am not who I will be. And thank God, I am not who I was. What are the basics of my program? Well, let's see. When I studied my big book, let me start my timer. When I started my studies, I found what worked for me. I went back and I looked for people who had what I wanted. And the people who had what I wanted were people who used the big book in their programs. So I asked one to be my sponsor and take me through. This is the ba- these are the basics that she had to tell me. First, page XXVI, 26 in Roman numerals, the doctor's opinion. In this statement, he, Dr. Silkworth, confirms what we who have suffered alcoholic torture must believe, that the body of the alcoholic is quite as abnormal as his mind. I am not like 70% of the people out there. I fit in these rooms. This is where I belong because food wins for me. I have allergies of the body, which do not express themselves in terms of scratchy eyes or runny nose or difficulty breathing. My allergy is expressed in the fact that when I eat certain things, I cannot stop. I can't stop once I start, and I cannot keep from starting again. I have an allergy of the body. I also have a mental obsession. And I love the descriptions it gives. They call it the peculiar mental twist. The curious mental phenomenon. And what is it? It's the thing that, say, if I were able to abstain from my preferred trigger foods, if I were willing to stay off of them, if I went days, which I never have, weeks or months, without them. Eventually, I will trip across a reason for doing it. The notion will cross my mind that if I just use this instead of this, it's okay this time, and it never is. So how does someone who has no defense put up a fight? I don't, (laughs) I run and I hide, in a power greater than myself and that's where I find my protection so further comments the big book says um on page 25 let's go to page 30 instead
1: page 30 triple x Okay.
4: All these and many others have one symptom in common. They cannot start drinking without developing the phenomenon of craving. So it's real, it exists. This phenomenon as we have suggested may be the manifestation of an allergy which differentiates these people and sets them apart as a distinct entity, that's us a distinct entity. It has never been by any treatment with which we are familiar permanently re- eradicated. The only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. If I don't start, I don't have to, I don't have to worry about when I stop. Staying not started is the issue. That's what the spiritual journey is about. Someone mentioned to me once the phrase, a sacred illness. Back in very, very early days of our history, Roman Empire, can't get much earlier. The sacred illness of the Roman Empire was epilepsy because people would go out of control and the only thing that could save them was an action of the gods. They didn't understand seizures. For them, it was an act of God. This individual whose opinion I respect suggested that addiction is the sacred illness of the 20th and 21st century. Because this is the illness that time and time again brings me back. There is no hope for me aside from a spiritual change okay page 20 in the big book we're moving into we're moving into the numbered pages now page 20 in the big book very bottom it talks about types of drinkers okay moderate Drinkers have little trouble giving up liquor entirely if they have good reason for it. They can take it or leave it alone.
1: And sometimes
4: people have illnesses in different degrees. There are people who catch a cold. They dabble their nose a couple of times and then they're good. Some people catch a cold and they stay home for one day and they come back the next day and they say, boy, that was really rough. And they go on. Some people get a cold. They come down with pneumonia and they end up in the hospital. There are degrees to this disease too. That's my theory. There are moderate drinkers who have little trouble giving food up. And they are out there and they look at us and they say, oh, why don't you just have a bite and put it down? Because I bleeping can't. Then we have a certain type of hard drinker. He may have the habit badly enough to gradually impair him physically and mentally. It may cause him to die a few years before his time. If a sufficiently strong reason, ill health, falling in love, change of environment, the warning of a doctor becomes imperative. This person can also stop or moderate, although he may find it difficult and troublesome and may even need medical attention. There are people like that out there. (laughs) I seem to live with one. Um, I have, uh, I share my home with an adult daughter. She pays her way, no codependent. And But she had a good reason and she stopped and she moderated and she lost pound after pound. And I came to realize that it goes on and the text continues, but what about the real alcoholic? He may start off as a moderate eater. He may or may not become a continuous hard drinker, excuse me, but at some stage of his drinking career, he begins to lose all control of his liquor consumption. Once he begins to drink. That's me. I know myself. That's me. What happens to us? We're going to go back to page XXIX. Where it says, on the other hand, And strange as this may seem to those who do not understand, once a psychic change has occurred, the very same person who seemed doomed, who has so many problems he despaired of ever solving them, suddenly finds himself easily able to control his desire for alcohol, the only effort necessary being that required to follow a few simple rules. A psychic change, I looked up psychic. <laughs> a psychic change is pertaining to the mind or the emotions. It is something that cannot be proven and can, can only be witnessed or shown. Something more than human power is needed. What we need is a. what I needed. Was a higher powered heart and brain surgery. I needed to accept an acceptance of a power greater than myself is a place to start. How do you find the power? A suggestion: Pick a generic HP. Anyone? There are a number of them out on the shelves. Pick a generic HP. Add to it or subtract from it what you want. A a big book, page 19. (laughs) I have them marked, but it still takes time to turn pages. Of necessity, there will have to be discussion of matters, medical, psychiatric, social, and religious, because this disease goes everywhere. There's not a part of my life that doesn't have an evil, wicked, nasty little rootlet running through it. Like I said, I have a severe case of this disease. I need a severe case of the solution. I have a severe case of disease. It requires a severe case of solution. I have to work program at a level that is equal to the level of disease. For some of us, it's more than others. It's okay with me, I'll make the trade. So step one, I admit that I'm powerless. I have the obsession. I have. The cravings. Uh, I cannot stop myself. I need a power greater than myself. Step two is <laughs> step two, I have a note taken down, finding a way to a power I could trust. I always wanted to believe that God was there and God was trustworthy. Um, if you could put the first handout, dismissing the playground, God. We go through stages. As we're growing up, everybody knows that. Four-year-old is capable of one kind of thing. A five-year-old or a six-year-old is capable of something different. We grow. We change. Not to a surprisingly. So does our perception of God. First, God is the playground God. About age four. Studies, studies I guess. Anyway, according to some people, about age four. We begin to believe in God and the God we believe in is Santa Claus. Who is God? He's the one who gives you things. You know, that's a place to start. It's a primitive understanding. Be aware of what you hear. The second stage of God is God, the judge, God, the lawyer, God, the punisher. The one who sits back with his account book and takes notes. He's the one that inspired me to intensive perfectionism because he was so unpredictable. Suggestions. When you have to figure out who God is, start with what you've learned at home. What did your father teach you about about God, verbally and non-verbally? What did he say? What did he do? Were they the same? Even a parent who says nothing has something to show you, is telling you something. What did your mother teach you about God, verbally and non-verbally? What did the community of your childhood, okay, and by that I mean age 11 or 12 and younger, your elementary school years? What did the community of your adolescence teach you? Don't know about you, but I came out of high school looking at the world and saying this place cannot quite be trusted. There have been times I've had to go back to the playground God, and we'll talk about those. I'll talk about those in a bit. But before I hit age 21, the world could not be trusted, and God was something I would poke with a stick once in a while, but God wasn't saved either. I had the advantage of meeting God close and personal. Bill referred to it as his mountaintop experience, page 14. There was an utter confidence. I felt lifted up as though the great clean wind of a mountaintop blew through and through. God comes to most men gradually, but his impact on me was sudden and profound <laughs> it happened like this it was a time i was 21 and it was a time of great turmoil and great sorrow i mean i didn't think anybody had been through anything this bad before and there was one day in of absolute teenage eggs i put my head down and i said oh god are you even there And God said, yes. And I fell into the presence. And it changed my perception of reality. Uh, All of a sudden, I knew that everything I had been told about God was rumors and gossip. And it was done by people who did have not had this experience. The thing about the mountaintop is you don't get to stay there all the time. You visit the mountaintop, I visited the mountaintop, I said, wow, that's cool. I like this, I want to come back. And I spent years, spiritual journey, seeking it again. Unfortunately, my happily ever after took a few years to come about. But I began the journey. We start where we start with the baggage that we have. So I wanted to believe, but I found there were some impediments. I had to practice addiction until I came to understand the bottom. Once food had beaten me into a state of reasonableness, I was ready to go on. I wasted years thinking that abstinence was had to be the most important thing by itself. And I couldn't. It would not fit. The, ma- the mass just wouldn't go on. What I have found since then is that it is the ongoing awareness of the presence of God that enables my abstinence. That's what I have to work for. Then <laughs> some smart person put in, I was running through this in front of a mirror if with a timer. And I got to this point and it says, go to page 60. And I thought, what on earth is there? What's on page 60? So I looked at it and I thought, okay, God. Okay, God. You got it, I'll do it. Here I am pompously proclaiming the ongoing presence, awareness of the presence of God is the most important thing. And what's my next reaction? Many of us exclaimed, but in order, I can't go through with it. Don't be discouraged. No one among us has been able to maintain anything but perfect adherence to these principles. We are not saints. The point is, we are willing to grow along spiritual lines. The principles we have set down are guides to progress. We claim spiritual progress, not spiritual perfection. Okay. Most cultures, not all, there are, there are those who are so aggrieved by God that they won't speak to him. You know, I understand. Most cultures and societies believe in a deity of some sort. If our families don't teach us or we don't pick it up from the kids in the playground, then who knows what we get to end up with. We start with the Santa Claus God. We go to God, the lawyer. Then puberty hits and gender roles get thrown in and they complicate things more. Sometimes I think the biggest struggle I had with the G word God was the H words associated with it. Words like he, him, and his. I'd like to point out that her and hers are also H words, but for some reason they don't give me as much trouble. Then my inner cynic speaks up and says, hey, didn't you tell me you met God? Why are you talking about this? And my reality says, I was on that playground too. I heard the rumors, I heard the fibs. I heard the gossip. I heard that God's supposed to do everything for you. And if you believe nothing bad will happen. We'll talk about that later too. God and I both had to grow up and get beyond Santa Claus and the mean judge, God. How? It takes time. You add. You subtract. You sit down. I sat down and I asked God to say, okay, God, you tell me who you are. I'll stop listening to other people. You tell me who you are. Relationships have rules. I get to talk. I get to listen. That's the hard part. I have to spend time with him. Start with your own idea of God as you want your higher power to be, not as you fear he is, but what you want. Take out your fears and let what remains be God. Step two, got to have a God I can trust because that's the only thing that's going to get me through the rest of it. Step three, principle for step three is faith. (laughs) Another word for faith is trust. Oh, When I came into this program, I could tell you all about faith. I believe this, I believe that, I believe the other. I could tell you all about belief. I believe this, I believe that. And I had absolutely no trust. Absolutely not. Step three is a decision. Made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood him. Okay? The decision is a one-time thing. That decision needs to become an attitude as soon as possible. How do you develop an attitude? Repeated decisions and their application. What is my will, the, applica- the the boundaries of the words, I will. I will go to this meeting. I will share with them. I will tell them my, about my trip. And in getting ready, I will sit down and I will say, God, I offer myself to you. Do with me and speak through me whatever you want. Help me to be of service to someone. I can only turn my life over to a higher power I can trust and trust takes time. What are my old ideas? These are the steps I took. Where did my old ideas come from? When I don't trust God, is it the God of my mother? Oh boy, no, not trust in that. The God of my dad doesn't exist. God of the playground. Now nah, he's mean. I want the power that held me when I said, "Are you there? Be aware of the thoughts that cross your mind. Sometimes, Big Book has uses that phrase a couple of times. once, typically, Once, when the thought crossed my mind, I was not being any too wise. I believe that's the story of the fellow who put the whiskey in the milk. (laughs) For me, it had diet ice cream and diet soda. Um, Thoughts that cross my mind are important. I sat in meetings. I heard people say, oh, the most effective prayer I ever said was just help. So, I'm in the kitchen one day, reaching up into the cupboard, and it crosses my mind. I should say, help. Okay, God, help. And it's like I'm standing on a lava field, and I say, help, and there's like this crack that pops open in the lava, and something comes up. There's this thing called the the blade. Can find it sometimes. It's a hand drying device, and you put your hands in, and there's a blast of superheated air. And if you lose enough weight, your hand, skin on your hands gets jiggly, and you just watch it dance. Um, so there's this lava crack that comes up. And I look at that and I think, whoa, what was that? And that was a lava hairline crack of rage. And the thought crossed my mind, what are the words that go with this? And the words were, you didn't help me then. Why should I trust you
1: now? Okay. So, what's that got to do with
4: anything? That led to my conscious acceptance of the fact that you know what I suffered sexual abuse when I was young I was 12 and 13 it was prolonged it was brutal I approached people and asked for help and nothing was forthcoming you didn't help me then why should I trust you now Good question. So I admitted to this abuse. I began looking at it. I accepted it was real. When you accept something like that is real, there's almost a pink cloud. It's such a relief. And I'm dancing in the pink cloud. (laughs) Honest to Pete, I hear in my right ear. Because I'm a child of the 50s and I grew up on Looney Tunes. And this is the side that the angel sits on. And I hear in my right ear the words, but I had no hands. And it happened three times. Different occasions. I think it was about four or five days. And I'm listening and I hear. Absolutely clear. What does the voice of God sound like? He sounds just like me, I don't know why, but when I hear, which happens upon very, very, very rare occasions, I have to be willing to hear. And so in thinking of that, this is the story behind I Had No Hands. World War II, lots of bombing, no smart bombs, indiscriminate damage. The GIs get to Europe, they walk in the cathedral. The cathedral has suffered bomb damage. Part of the damage is that there is a statue of Christ and the bomb damage is he has no hands. Under the statue is a poster. The poster says the only hands he has are yours. I asked for help. I didn't get help. Because God had no hands. We are the hands and eyes and voice of God in this world. If we do not take action when we are asked to, He has no hands. So, this is another story. This is about the edge. come to the edge he said no not me i know what happens at the edge the edge is a sandstone cliff it goes down 500 feet to the bottom of the floor i know i grew up in new mexico where these things happen i looked over you know and there's a sign posted at this place it's a canyon There's a cliff dwelling on one side. There's a 500 foot cliff. You can walk out on the cliff and look at, okay. I need to be quiet soon. So I'll finish up. So I stand on the edge and God says, come to the edge. No, not me. I'm afraid. Come to the edge, she says. No, not me. I'm afraid come to the edge. He says, oh, all right, fine. I'm here. Now what? He pushed me, and I flew. I never expect flight, but it happens every time. (laughs) And I'm still me, and I still expect rocks at the bottom, and I get flight. I talked about the sacred illness, there's also a sacred question. This is the sacred question God has for me. So now do you trust me? (laughs) Oh, thanks so much, God. Last thing, last point, I, in my opinion, and it's just my opinion. God does not punish But boy, oh boy, does he allow consequences. So this is the end of step three. Step three is the final leg in the first part of the journey. It's got three parts. Trust God, clean house, help others. This is the end of trust God. Thank you for listening.
0: Thank you so much, Janice, it's very powerful. Um, it's 1.50, did you wanna have some time for question and answers before we take a break? The questions would be fun. Okay, does anybody have any questions for Janice? Any comments? If you do, you can just raise your hand. Uh, if you need to know how to do that at the bottom of your screen, there is something called reactions. You just click on that and then you'll see the raise hand button. I actually have a question, Janice. <laughs> okay. um, could you expand more on that idea of God doesn't punish but has consequences? What What is your that I found incredibly powerful, and what does that mean for you?
4: Okay. <laughs> oh my goodness, consequences. I have weighed over 200 pounds since my 47 year old daughter was born. And I have consequences. Someone who carries that much weight that long. And I weren't standing up on concrete floor. So I, I currently have both knees replaced, one hip and the other hip pending. There are consequences to being an addict. Um, there There are consequences to behaving as we behave. We'll get into it more. That's what the next part of the journey is, for me, is predominantly about. The whole idea behind four through nine is dealing with the consequences of my behavior and my addiction. I didn't mean to treat to teach my children how to be compulsive eaters. I didn't mean to teach them how to be codependent. But I probably did a good job of it. I gave them tutorials on how to be binge buddies. And as much as I regret that, you know, there are consequences. Seeing my children in pain is a consequence. Looking at my own actions have consequences. There are not punishments. But wow, does God hand out consequences? So does that help at all?
0: Yeah, I was thinking, um, or I, I, I feel safer with the words like God allows consequences versus okay. Yeah, no, I'm just saying for me, like, because I'm really that that I found so powerful, and also the the God has I didn't have any hands, I had no hands. Like, you know, when I think about that, it's like I really felt you know, in my heart, when you said that, it's like, but God now has hands in OA, you yes. know, that's, those are the hands that have, yeah. now that I found, you know, when I found OA, that was because someone had hands, right, and was able to pass that on to me, and then now that's my responsibility, is that I now have hands, yes. and I can help others, whereas when I was like growing up, there was no one who who had that to offer so there wasn't that available and it wasn't God's fault it wasn't like God didn't care it was just there was nobody with the hands and right. who believed who could pass it on so yeah I really really appreciate both of those things so much that really has resonated so thank you um and it looks like uh, Carolyn C has uh, a question so um Janice would you mind taking care of lowering her hand and
5: unmuting her. Hi, Uh, my name's Carolyn. I'm a compulsive over reader. And um, I really liked your speech, Janice. Uh, It's neat because I can never imagine giving like a speech, like whatever it's called. And I could tell you were nervous. And uh, and this is really cool because I just kept getting deeper and deeper into it because I was listening to what you were saying, you know, beyond just you being nervous about it. And... um, I always wrestle with the power of uh, the concept of higher power. That's like, so um, I would just, I just wrote notes and I just liked everything you said, but um, I was wondering if you could just help. uh, I don't know if I didn't get it or whatever, kind of elaborate more on how you, uh, I mean, I believe in God, but I feel like he and she's probably busy um, or I'm also, you know, stubborn. I don't want to turn it over to somebody or something else. So how, did you get from what, what, like you said, like the more primitive concepts of God, like the Santa Claus or the punishing judge person, how did you either do it then and do it now so that you can feel more closer to God? I've heard, for example, I've heard people say want ads and stuff for God. So if you could just talk a little bit about that, that'd be really helpful. Thank you.
4: (laughs) Okay. Um, (laughs) When I was 21, there was a different world. I'm 71 now, so 50 years ago, I lived in the era of madmen, you know. Um, so I was 21. I grew up in the world of Dick and Jane. I don't know if you remember them, but Dick and Jane, leave it to Beaver, father knows best. That's kind of my reference. And in this world, nice girls waited until they were married and bad girls didn't. And I was a bad girl and I ended up pregnant. Well, I was a bad girl masquerading as a good girl. So here I was looking at, oh my God, I'm pregnant. Can I go home? Can I tell my folks about this? I found out no, I couldn't. It wasn't safe. So I was like, oh, okay, fine. What am I going to do now? I can't do this. I don't know what to do. I got pushed into a corner, put my head down, and I said, God, are you even there? And God said, yes. The thing about God is you've got to step off that stupid edge, because there's always an edge. I mean, this And I had to step off. What do I do now? I do a kind of a breathing meditation. Breathe all the way in. Breathe all the way out. Rest. Breathe all the way in. Breathe all the way out. Rest. And there's a brief space there between the in-breath and the out-breath. And at that point, I still my mind and I open to the presence of God. Trust me, he's not me. I heard someone say recently, armored only with your breath, sit and face the monsters and watch them run. Breathe in, breathe out. Look for God. Breathe in, breathe out. Find God. So, those are things that work for me. The other questions.
0: Anything else before we take a break? Okay, so let's take a five-minute break. We will um, be back at. Uh, five after the hour. Thank you so much, Janice, and um, see you guys all in five minutes. Our self-supporting. Thanks, Jen. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. Our OA RISE meeting expenses, once again, are a Zoom meeting subscription, uh, which does not cost too much, but what does cost us finances um, that we need support in is the cost of the OA RISE website, and that includes the cost of extra storage so that we can upload the OA RISE speaking recordings for you and have them kept there to be um, heard by yourself and others. Contributions in excess of our meeting expenses will go directly to the World Service Office to help carry the message to other compulsive leaders. A suggested donation of $3 will allow this meeting to continue. And we definitely do need some tradition financial support for this meeting. So if you're able to do so, we would really appreciate it. Uh, Contributions can be made via PayPal to our email address, which is info at oarise.org, or they can be made directly on our website. If you go to oarise.org, on the very first page that comes up, there is a button that says Contribute Now. You just click on that and then follow the directions. And lastly, um, if you do uh, feel more comfortable sending a check, let uh, one of our co-hosts know and we will give you the address to send the check to. Um, that is pertinent to our American friends, uh, anybody outside of um, the U.S., uh, there is some other ways that we can accept 7th from you uh, if you're not comfortable doing it online. So just let us know. And we'll, suggest, we'll just observe that for another minute if you want to go to the Rise website and then we'll be back.
3: Sherry, do
0: you want me to screen share the OA website? Um, sure, sure. If you want to do that, Audrey, we could do that real quick. And we normally do that, but I was, yeah. So that's just the regular screen share of the RISE website and there is the Curtain tribute now button. So if you'd like to do it now or um, after the meeting, once again, we'd really appreciate it. And that's it. Thanks, Audrey. You're welcome. Okay, let's bring the meeting back. Um, And uh, Janice, are you going to continue going, or are we having Naomi?
4: I think we need to have Naomi next.
0: Okay, excellent. So, uh, if you would like to introduce Naomi, or not, (laughs) we can just let her come on. Come on in. Hi. Hi. Okay, excellent. Naomi, let's get you spotlighted here. Oh, I'm sorry, Janice. I'm taking your job. But there she is. Great. Thank you. Go ahead, Naomi. Lovely to have you here. Thanks so much for joining us.
2: Oh, well, thank you. Janice asked me to join her. I'm actually kind of stunned because Janice had three parts to her talk and she's only given one and I was So excited, Um, I thought, oh, good, maybe she'll use all the time up and then I can just wave at the end. (laughs) Anyway, um, so um, thank you, Sherry and Janice, and all the co host ladies. Um, My name is Naomi H., and I am a recovering compulsive overeater from Bend, Oregon. Um, I'm part of Region One uh and we and part of the central oregon inner group we're small but we're here (laughs) Um, it's fun to be with all you canadian ladies and other people who may be here from anywhere in the world i'm so grateful that i can be part of this meeting with you um i'd like to uh pray first um Who am I and what am I doing? Oh, precious creator, my higher power, I am a food addict and I want to recover. To that that end, my job today is to trust you, to ask you to show me how to clean house and help others. You know I am powerless over food and my life was unmanageable Till I came to believe that you, a power greater than myself, could restore me to sanity. Today, again, I humbly get to turn my will, my thinking and my actions, my whole life, over to your care and protection. Show me how I can best serve you. Your will, not mine. Be done. Amen. So... um, I wanted to give a disclaimer, Um, nothing that you hear or see see here will be anything um, that's different from what I've learned and or gifts from my higher power. Um, I've been part of OA since 19 uh, or since 2012 and I have been in other 12-step programs since um, 1986. Um, Please take what you like and leave the rest. Um, So I've never been to your meeting before. Thank you for allowing me to be here. Um, And as I was pondering my experience with the 12 steps and addiction. Um, I thought about Roland Hazard and Dr. Carl Jung. And I'd like to talk about the on page 27. I'm going to read some and then I'll go back and talk about it. Some of our alcoholic readers may think they can do without spiritual help. Let us tell you the rest of this conversation, our friend uh, who was Roland Hazard, who was a a very wealthy young man uh, from the uh, northeast part of the United States. And Dr. Carl Jung, whose offices were in uh, Switzerland. Even during the end of the 20s and the depression, the Hazard family had enough money to send this young man uh, to spend a year with Dr. Jung. Um, just unbelievably beyond most people's understanding during those hard times. (laughs) The doctor said to him, you have the mind of a chronic alcoholic. I have never seen one single case recover where the state of mind exists to the extent that it does in you. Our friend felt as though the gates of hell had closed on him with a clang. He said to the doctor, is there no exception? Yes, replied the doctor, there is. Exceptions to cases such as yours have been occurring since early times. Here and there, once in a while, alcoholics have had what are called vital Spiritual experiences. To me, these occurrences are phenomena. They appear to be in the nature of huge emotional displacements and rearrangements. Ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men, are suddenly cast to one side. And a completely new set of conceptions and motives begins to dominate them. In fact, I have been trying to produce some such emotional rearrangement within you. While many individuals, uh, with many individuals, the methods which I have employed are successful, but I have never been successful with an alcoholic of your description. Upon hearing this, our friend was somewhat relieved for he reflected that after all, he was a good church member. This hope, however, was destroyed by the doctors telling him that while his religious convictions were very good, in his case, they did not spell the necessary, vital spiritual experience. Um, and so, I think about Dr. Silkworth, and his his comment is on page twenty nine, Roman numerals. He talked about an enti- uh, an entire or an essential psychic change. Um, Obviously there were religious beliefs and convictions. Some of us that come into the rooms um, have them. Some of us are extremely wounded. Um, And as Janice mentioned, we come in with a spiritual history and spiritual baggage. When I came here, I had a God who was outside myself I had a God who uh, was mean, angry, and punishing. Um, And when I did the steps for years, I was someone who was supposed to do these steps and present them like a person in front of the class in third grade. Um, and do it perfectly, and then God would decide whether or not I had done a thorough or, um, you know, meticulous inventory. And all of the steps were to be done by me, and God was the one who was going to watch and decide whether or not I had done them well enough in order to have uh, a rep- a daily reprieve. Um I wanted to know about the words. It just really struck me because I was getting ready for this talk. Um, I wanted to know about that vital spiritual experience. And so I went to the dictionary. Sorry, I, <clears throat> we have allergies. We're having the weirdest weather. We just had pouring, pouring rain. And within a minute after it stopped, it was sunshine as if what? Rain. Um, anyway, um, so I wanted to know about vital, and vital has the root of vivra, uh, of life. And it's an energetic, forceful, lively, necessary to existence kind of a thing. Uh, it describes continuance or well being of something, it's essential. It's indispensable and it's of critical importance. And I wanted to know uh, where it was in the in the big book and in the 12 and 12 and I discovered modern, um, I have to say modern technology is a blessing and a curse, <laughs> but I was able to type in a big book colon vital and come up with quite a few places um, Three in the 12 and 12 and uh, seven or eight in the big book. Talking about this thing that was alive, that was necessary for me to stay alive. And spiritual, as Janice kind of mentioned, is not physical or corporal. It ha- it's pertaining to the mind or to the intellect the seed or center of moral or religious nature. Um, And so what I've discovered, oh, and then the next thing had to do with the experiences and in the um, second appendix in the back, which is brief, um, but wonderful, it talks about the difference because of course, when the big book first came out, even though there were some other, how can I put it? There was some other allusion to the fact that it could be slow because it happened so quickly with Bill and in in some of the stories, people assumed if they didn't uh, get it in a big explosion of spiritual fabulousness, they, they didn't get it at all. And they were afraid, I mean, didn't have all the stuff we had they had a book and a hope and no group um just the central office in new york um actually originally they just had the group in cleveland in uh, akron and later in cleveland ohio so um they defined this experiences versus awakenings and i've been blessed to have both in my life and the hilltop experiences are inspirational, but I looked up the word trudge and um, trudging the road of happy destiny, you know, it always seemed kind of dreary to me. Well, it's a combination word of, um, which means to uh, tread, and drudge. So they smushed them together and came up with trudge. Um, and I also wanted to know about the phenomena that Dr. Young talked about. Um, a phenomenon is an observa- observable occurrence that is remarkable or extraordinary in the mind. Quite often, and so I'm going to turn to page in this spiritual experience, it talks about it. Um, Most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James calls the educational variety because they develop slowly over a period of time. And this is on page 567 in the big book. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the differences long before the newcomer himself finally realizes that has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, but such change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource source which they presently identify as their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness." And so what Dr. Jung was talking about to Roland and what Roland told Ebby. Thatcher and what Abby Thatcher told Bill and what Bill told Dr. Bob was that there had to be some internal change. You know, Dr. Uh, Jung called it, there is, it? sorry, it was my tab. come
1: back, come
2: back. Anyway, he called it this huge upheaval. And um, I knew I had experiences of God. i had some deep religious experiences, but I didn't have trust. I could go to God and that was great. And God would come, you know, and I could have a relation, a spiritual relationship and I was grateful. Um, my family was, like many of our families, um, dysfunctional. <laughs> um, my father had functioning autism. It runs in my father's family. My mother had uh, was a World War II nurse in the American Navy on Guadalcanal and came home to what I only realized after she died had been one heck of a large dose of post traumatic syndrome she'd been on a tiny island in the middle of the Pacific sewing together day and night pilots and soldiers and seamen, uh, And living on. Uh, spam and canned fruit cocktail she became very ill. Um, so. I look at these things and I um, I think about where does my, I, I need abstinence. I need sobriety. I have a different body than um, many people. I have a body that doesn't process concentrated carbohydrates well in any form. Um, and as I get older, I'm finding that it doesn't really handle concentrated foods in any form, um, which has been annoying, <laughs> but um, how do I do this? You know, I you can put down the bottle um, that's only one food type. You can certainly drink lots of other things. Um, and as I discovered when I came into OA, thankfully, I can eat lots of other things, but I needed a power like Janice talked about. I needed a power that my power needed to be bigger than the problem that I had. And so even if it was just one inchy bit bigger, I needed it to be bigger. And the God that I had, I hadn't allowed that part, that God to come into the part of my life that needed a higher power um i had locked certain doors in my life from myself and definitely from my higher power i didn't know how to unlock them and um it's not that my god couldn't it's that i didn't didn't understand how that my god could or that how i could let that open up and um So I was the person who needed help and I needed physical and mental help. I had the double whammy, like all of us. Um, I had the allergy and obsession, the chemical craving. On page 30, let's see, on page 23, And this has to do with somehow, someday, I'll beat the game. Well, that's the lie. Um, that's me without my higher power. Um, that's me to understanding that I have a higher power and that my higher power is completely aware of my body chemistry and my mental condition. And um, The concept that that I'm never alone, not in a sense that someone is my higher power is there, you know, what's she doing now, you know, but the concept of. um, In what ways can I show her my love in what ways can I get her to understand. That I am always for her. God is always for me. Um, even when I, you know, I liken what Janice shared about consequences to being under an umbrella. If I'm under the covering of my higher power and I pray, my, my options are infinite. But if I step out from underneath that umbrella, I can't blame God. I can't blame my higher power. Um, and it's learning where that is. I had, you know, I have had to start over, um, and trust. I looked it up. I wanted to see if We're so good with acronyms. I wanted to look and see if there was one. And I found one totally relying upon spiritual truth. I needed that to totally rely, um, And I needed this help and I needed it desperately, like it says on page 30, because I had the idea that somehow, someday I would be able to control and enjoy my drinking, the great obsession of every abnormal drinker, alcoholic eater, whoever. The persistence of this illusion is astonishing. Many pursue it to the gates of insanity or death. And so I had to take step one and I have to take it every day. I had to, I learned that I had to fully concede to my innermost self way down in the very bottom of this whole thing that I am an addict, you know, part of me goes, well, that sucks. And part of me goes, well, at least I have, I I know, I know. And this is the first step in recovery. So. I had to admit it, and I'm still admitting it. You know, there are a portion of uh, people in recovery who consider themselves recovered, and it's used many times in the big book, that term. I have recovered from certain parts of my addiction, and for that I am exceedingly grateful. But there are still parts of me that argue that jump in and out from underneath the umbrella, and I couldn't do this without my higher power. I just couldn't. Um, There's no surgery. There's no pharmacology that can fix this. It it can do some things for some periods of time. The consequences are huge, um, sometimes devastating. And so I needed to know how to be restored to sanity and first, like many of us, like it says in our OA book, me crazy, right, you know, but I have a very vulnerable brain. We all do. And the chemistry of an addict is a challenging thing. Um, And so I needed sanity. And I needed to learn how to live abstinent and sober. And it's interesting, the story right before the end of the book, the last story is called How to Handle Sobriety. And the person said that their problem wasn't not drinking. You know, for me, I'm not gonna pick up the frozen pie. I'm not going to run to the store because I feel I can't stand the way I feel. It hurts and it's uncomfortable and all those emotions. But Alcoholics Anonymous, and in our case OA, offers us a way to stay sober. And that's what I needed and what I need today. I needed a power greater than myself, greater than the power I had at the time. we have spiritual history and spiritual baggage. And I really appreciate, I know Janice, and I really appreciate how ardently she has worked on that um, the playground God thing she talked about. Where did we get this stuff? And what have we internalized? I had to learn to be honest, willing, and open minded. These essentials of recovery are indispensable, they're vital, and that's where the life is, and that's what I want. I want a life. Um, We go through half measures, as it mentions right before it starts into the steps on page 59, Um, and sometimes all we can do at the beginning is half measures because we don't know what the heck we're doing, and hopefully we have some really wonderful people to help us. Sponsors and listening at meetings, the literature that we have, our tools. Um, so I, I was, I am, and I never, and I will be always in the, in the presence, care and protection of my higher power. My journey, spiritual ab- journey is about honest, honesty, open-mindedness, experiencing my higher power right here, right now. Um, I have been given a key, as uh, Chuck C, an uh, AA speaker used to say, a a key of gold, a key to a kingdom. And that key is rigorous honesty. I get to unlock closed doors Every experience I have, I have with my higher power. And so I guess for me, that another part of it was like I said, I always thought I was here doing my steps, and God was over there, and my sponsor, whoever else, deciding whether I had done it well enough, you know, perfectionism, you know, kind of using the scorecards at the Olympics. Well, that was a 5.7 you know um and so from the point of working the steps getting into the action part cracking the facade god was there to help me and i never you know the whole idea of god helping me work step 4 just still blows my mind you know i didn't have to do it all those times alone I could pray first, boo, you know? Um, and so God and I get to share the making, the writing of the inventory. And that is so huge because I know that my God will do that in a loving way. And I'm gonna feel shame. I'm gonna feel like I'm no good. I'm gonna think, why in the world did I ever think that? Um, why did I do that? Oh. I can't imagine that I said that um, going through all the things that um, help me make a written inventory. And then in step five, I get to share that with God. I'm not there by myself, you know, with the judge on one side and the, me in the middle and the jury to the left or whatever. I get to share that inventory with God and with a fellow. And you know, I have never heard of one single sponsor ever shaming a a sponsee who's giving an inventory. It is a loving experience, it's a socializing experience. We come out of isolation and here we have this person who has heard it all, either been there or heard of it. it's such a loving experience in learning how to interact with other people and be honest. Um, and the other part of step five that I absolutely love is that after I go through this experience with this other person who encourages me, it's a discussion, it's not just to spill my guts and walk away. It's a um, you go, girl. This is how I experienced that. Oh, this is what happened to me, um, all that kind of stuff. I get to spend at least an hour alone with my higher power to catch up to real time. Because from my brain is, I don't know, I have uh, low functioning or high functioning autism too. I am an Asperger's person and I, um, and it's challenging for me, I'm a slow processor once i get there i'm okay but it takes me a while and once something emotional has happened it takes a while for the chemicals in my body to go away and for me to come back down to anywhere near normal and i get to have that hour that you know that hour alone with my higher power to catch up and to pray and the prayer is beautiful thank you god that i know you better wow I mean, it's not about thank you, God, for, you know, taking all my garbage. It's I get to know my higher power better. What a concept. You know, my mind is being changed. My attitude is being changed. And I'm so grateful. In step six, it's honesty, open-mindedness, and willing again. You know, my God is with me. I'm learning the difference, uh, between about forgiveness versus ego i can keep chiding myself but as one uh, evangelist speaker i used to listen to said how rude to keep reminding god of something that you've been forgiven for um and that's my ego i have to learn to let go i have i get to look at patterns what have i done what do i get out of it what does it cost me what does it do to others what does it do to me God, what can I do instead? And help me to be willing. Um, I love the forms that AA has for step six. When I first came into my first 12 step program so many years ago, I didn't even pay attention to step six and seven. Um, If you are sponsors, please, please, please um, give your sponsees that assurance that that's where the heart of our program is. Once you've dumped it and you understand that you're getting to learn about God, that's what I want my sponsees to know, um, that God is there. And then in step seven, there is the prayer, but I cannot do this without my higher power. And I get to surrender and pray and I get to learn what that's like. Again, I get to know my higher power better. And I get to back off and let there be more of my higher power and less of me. Because I need to let as much of my higher power in my life as I need and more in order to be abstinent. Because I'm not, you know, if I reach for the chips or whatever, I need a God that's bigger than that. I need a God who's kind of blast into my brain and go, whoa, baby, you know what are you doing? You know, right here, right now, what are you feeling? What are you thinking? What are you doing? Um, Step eight, and I love step eight. It's, um, and in it is that wonderful definition of what our real purpose is, is to be, our real purpose is for God to fit ourselves, to be of maximum service to God and the people around us. And I added that one piece because I don't do it. My real purpose is not to fit myself out, but it's to let God fit me out. I can't, otherwise I'm just my selfish self-centered self. Um, And it's what has my behavior cost others and who are those poor people? And what does God want me to do about each situation? It's such a beautiful step, but it has so many parts. Um, and again, God, myself, and other human beings. And when I go through this step, again, it's a socialization experience. It's something I do with God and with my sponsor, and if I need to talk to other people, this is the time where if I need to talk to lawyers or I need to talk to bankers or if I've shoplifted and I need to talk to store people, you know, managers or whatever, this is God showing me how to do this, how to live a different life so that I don't store up all this stuff and then go and eat myself to death. So I love it. You know, it says on page, where is it? It's kind of near the, Where is it? this is step 10. Yeah, it says here on page 80, before taking any drastic action, which might implicate other people, we, can, we secure their consent. We have obtained permission from them. We have consulted with others. We've asked God to help us. And the drastic step, if the drastic step is indicated, we must not shrink. So we're learning how to behave in the world, the give and take about using resources. Um, And God is with us every step of the way. And the God incident, the God incidences that so many of us experience during these steps are so, I mean, talk about a beautiful journey. Um, You know, uh, check C. Said that he didn't think we were emo- emotionally immature. He thought we were, um, what did he call it? That we had an excess of sensitivity. That we were overly sensitive people. That we ha- and we had more uh, more nerve endings in all areas than the average person. That we feel more. We hurt more. Um, I remember talking with my dad one time, and it, it's hard because he did, I believe he had low, I mean, high-functioning autism. But I was telling him all these feelings that I had, and he, he just said, no, you can't do that. You can't have all those feelings at once. And at that point, I basically shut, up, shut him off. I, I loved him and I wished him well and God's very best. But at that point I realized I couldn't communicate with him anymore. He wasn't willing to accept that I had so many more emotions. Um, And so as I process all this stuff with God, um, I learned how to apologize to people. And I learn about my willingness to apologize to people. And I'm given ways to apologize to people and it's huge. And I'm, again, so grateful And then I get to those beautiful steps, 10, 11, and 12. And 10 is don't ever stop doing this if you want to stay abstinent or sober. Um, Page 84, it's so small. It's just like page, or step six and seven. They're so teeny in the book and they're so crucial. Step 10 is basically a paragraph and a lot of comment and promises. this brings us to step 10, which suggests we continue to take personal inventory. There's continue. Continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. We vigorously, I love that word. We aren't just, I can't just la da this. God is, wants me to vigorously commence this way of living as I clean up my past. I get to enter the world of the spirit, and that is just a concept I had never had before. Wow to enter the world of the spirit. Huh. And that once I, and that since I have just started entering into it, my next function, I get to grow in understanding and effectiveness because I'm gonna be someone who serves. This isn't an overnight matter. It should continue for a lifetime. Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. And when these crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. We discuss them with someone immediately. So we ask at once to remove them. We discuss with someone immediately. We make amends quickly if we have harmed anyone. And then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. And how do I, how do I know if this has been accomplished? Have I returned patience, tolerance, kindliness, love? Am I considerate? Am I compassionate? Am I honest? Am I being fair? I mean, we can't let down on our, um, we are not cured. I have to keep in fit spiritual condition. I, if I do this, if I let God do this with me, I can be placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. And I don't know about you guys, but a lot of my life, I haven't felt safe or protected. And, um, Someone, one time, and I can't remember where I heard it, that, that this was a book of prayers, promises, and program. And I love it. I love the prayers. They're kind of tucked in here and there. And the promises are everywhere. And the, and the question, the question of every person who wants to be abstinent or so, sober, God, how can I best serve you? Your will, not mine, be done. And it must be done constantly. Um, my sponsor and I went through some uh, non-program literature, and you're welcome to email me about it, that really focused on this and brought it to life for me. Um, it's not appropriate to bring it up anymore here, but. And then we, you know, we have all these promises and how do we do it? We pray, we pray, we pray. We keep conscious contact vigorously watching continuous vigorous watching you know as often i used my phone um, setting it every hour and i'll do that still if i need to do check-ins you know am i selfish dishonest resentful afraid or inconsiderate what are my motives what am i doing uh, one lady in the meeting said look down at your feet that's where you are so I have to bring my head, my big balloon head, back down and look down at my feet. Where am I standing? Am I in the, I'm in the kitchen reaching for something to eat? Am I doing something kind? You know, do I have a, a stinking thinking attitude or do I have a grateful attitude? Um, and it tells me exactly what to do here. I get to meet with God at night and talk about the, you know, go over the day and not like some kind of mean, oh, no, 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 shame on you kind of thing. It's just how to go, you know? Let's look at how it went. You know, by the time you get through my inventory, I know what my patterns and weaknesses are. Did I fall down in any of those areas? Um, And then in the morning and what did you know, God, I can't do this without you. Help me. I need, give me the stuff. I need to do the stuff you want me to do today. Um, here and to any time during the day, you know, here I am with my phone, you know. Ding ding ding, two o'clock. Where am I? What am I doing? Where is God? That's my biggest question. Where am I in relationship to God? <laughs> I can ask for an intuitive thought or decision. I can pause when agitated or doubtful. I'm aware of of the fact that um, when I'm off the beam, I'm going to be restless, irritable, and discontented. And that my motives are going to be skewed unless I stay with my higher power. Um, I am not running the show. And I will need that drummed into my head for the rest of my life. I want to run the show, darn it. You know, and I, and yet I have the privilege of having my higher power and being on this spiritual journey. And then God brings people into my life. I don't have to seek people out. Um, I'm just, I'm a homemaker. I'm at home most of the time. And, um, I'll get a phone call, or I'll go to a meeting and I'll hear somebody, or I'll see somebody who's new, and God will put that person on my heart. And I, it happens for all of us. Um, people have been there for me. And my higher power, like Janice mentioned, wants me to be there for other people. I don't, you know, I realize that I'm not for everybody. Um, but there are some people that God has put me face to face with, or God incidences that He God expects me, or hopes, or urges, or compels me, or puts on my heart to make a connection. And um, it's a privilege that all of us have. And so we come to step. I come to step twelve. Um, Having had spiritual awakenings and having some of the, you know, what did you call them, experiences and some sudden, some mountaintop, and some just growing and looking back, looking back a month and going, wow, I didn't believe I could get through that. Um, And thank you for the creative way that you helped me to do that. And being able to share that with others. I share my experience, strength, and hope just like you do. You know, I have hope. Because I have a way. I have some. I have my higher power. And I have your support. And I have the support of my sponsor. And I have, you know, all our pamphlets and books. I have my spiritual background material that is ancient and beautiful. And. Whenever you know, just like the what is it, the OA? I can't remember what it's called, I don't have a book here. But whenever the hand of someone reaches out, I want the hand of OA always to be there, and for this, I am responsible. I get to be responsible because I've been through the steps, I have compassion. Um, so I don't know, I've talked quite a long time. Um, I thank you for listening to me, I guess I want to always have a grateful heart, and that's my spiritual experience, to have a grateful heart, um, to learn to be truly humble, not smaller, not bigger. Um, There's a saying, um, no more than my place, no less than my space. I want to sit in my chair at the OA table, but I don't want to take over. I want to listen. Um, I want to hear what God is saying to me and to the people he brings into my life. I want to hear not my opinion of what they're going through, but I want to hear their, their story. Um, I want to encourage people um, to seek out their higher power and let the process show them how to reach out to others and to to let others reach out to them. Anyway, I am so grateful to be here. And um, I I thank Janice too, who invited me. Um, She's a dear friend and um, she has been huge. Uh, Her spiritual journey, she's dragged me along kicking and screaming (laughs) some of the way, and I am uh, a much better person for it. So uh, thank you for letting me share. And I kind of don't know if I'll have answers to questions, but if people want to say something, that's fine with me, thanks. (laughs) Thanks so much, Naomi, that was
0: wonderful. Um, Does anybody have any questions? Naomi, if you do, just put up your hand. Again, uh, that is, if you're not familiar, just go to the bottom of your screen. I'm not sure what it is on a on a phone, I'm afraid, but um, just go to the bottom of your screen, and there is a reactions tab, and you can hit that. Audrey, go ahead and ask your question.
3: Hi, my name is Audrey. I'm a food addict. I just wanted to thank you both so much. Um, you, have driven home the point today of how important a higher power is. I'm grateful to have a higher power, um, but I know I can have a better and stronger relationship with my higher power. And, uh, today has made me ask myself what can I do to strengthen that bond that I have with my higher power and I am going to work on it. So thank you
0: both so much. Thanks Audrey. Anybody else have any questions right now? Okay, why don't we take a very quick oh um Janice you have a question. Go ahead Janice Well, I just have a comment. Thank you
3: both Naomi and Janice for the time and energy that you put into this. Um, I really appreciated it and um, I took a lot of notes. So thanks again.
2: Thanks, Denise. Okay, if we,
0: uh, let's take that really quick break then so we can stop the recording and start again. Um, and how about we just take like three quick minutes and we'll be right back. I think so. Excellent. I think so. Okay, we have another, we go into uh, um, uh, another 25 minutes and then we'll just take five minutes to close. Okay,
4: good Thanks enough. For- Alrighty, then. I am setting my timer for 23 minutes. Okay. Are you ready for the ride? Here we go. Let's play What If. Okay? We used to do that on the playground a lot. What if? What if God was exactly what you want God to be? What if? Only the best things you ever heard about God were true. What if God got a hold of you and said, this version of God, great God, wonderful God, loving God, kind God, friendly God, best God, said to you, can I come live at your house? Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. Sorry. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Let me introduce to you the concept and the idea of the interior landscape. What does my inside look like? If God were coming to live in me as if I were the house, what do I look like? Um, Suburban? City? Heaven forbid, slum? Possibly, I've been there. So let's say that the most respected, most loved, most honored deity in the world, best you can imagine, everything good, says they want to come and live with you, in you. How would you feel? What would you do? Clean up the front yard. Clean up the cupboards. Oh, my goodness. Do not look in the kitchen cupboards. Okay? Leave them closed. Don't open any doors unless you check with me first. All righty. What kind of environment am I offering my higher power? If you guys could put up my preferred definitions. This is the function, in my opinion, of the inventory. It cleans house. That's the third in the trilogy. The second in the trilogy. First is trust God. Second is clean house. What are the things that make me grungy on the inside? Selfishness, wanting my way. Motive doesn't matter. I don't know how many meetings I sat through on selfishness and control, and I said, oh, not my problem. I just want to help people. Motive doesn't count. Owie, that let out a lot of hot air. Dishonesty is not just lying, cheating, stealing, okay? Dishonesty is not speaking the truth when the truth should be told. Dishonesty is telling, not telling the truth when the truth should be told. I used to suffer from this one a lot. Well, if I don't tell you, I'll never tell. I'll never tell. You have to guess why I'm mad. Telling myself untruth, it doesn't matter. I'll be okay. Telling myself reality is not what it is. I'll start tomorrow. Resentment, anger, and or any thought or feeling that returns frequently. Resent sentiments. Anger, fear, shame. Those can also be resentments. Fear. The state in which I trust myself and not God. Almost always. Want a discussion of selfishness? Page 60 through 62. Start below letter C. Go all the way to the bottom of page 62. Translate write out food, and personalize. It's not the actor. It's me. I this, I that, and this is how I eat, deal with food. How to do inventory. There are forms. They work. Talk to your sponsor. Or... It also says in the big book, which is kind of a little more controversial approach. We don't get well until we tell someone all of our life story. Start at your current age, go back five years, 10 years, as long as you can be specific and write down things that matter. Um, Then go back in, lots of five you'll be amazed at how much you can recall tell someone your life story and write down the recurring patterns these are the things that clutter the inner landscape step five step five is the gift of being normal step five is the gift of belonging step five is the gift of finding out I can do hard things and not die from them. Courage and fear can live together, sometimes at the same time. The good news you're going to get, you're normal. The bad news you're going to get, for out of us, you're normal. No one dies. Promise. Step six and seven. Uh, Nope, outside. Okay, excuse me, emergency. Okay, they're leaving. Well-trained little puppies. Thank you, God. Okay, <laughs> talk about the intervention of a higher power. Okay, step six and seven. Um, many, many defects are based in in, in my unwillingness to be imperfect. Am I willing to stand before my higher power and not be perfect? Yeah, I got there. Can I trust my higher power with my imperfections? Yeah, I can. For me, six and seven, once they begin to roll, are fast. I see the harm I have done. I realize that something has to change. I can't stand living this way anymore. It's like, ugh, just get rid of it, would you? I can't fix it. And I think at this point, I resorted to the AA 12 and 12 step seven. Oh, For just as long as I was convinced, okay, it says we. For just as long as we were convinced that we could live exclusively by our own individual strength and intelligence. For just that long was a working faith in a higher power impossible. As long as I placed self-reliance first, a genuine reliance upon a higher power was out of the question. That basic ingredient of all, humility. A desire to seek and to do God's will was missing. Well,
0: we might have lost you, Janice.
4: I'm here. I was dealing with markers. Oh, okay. we <laughs> was dealing with noise. With with. <laughs> oh, anyway, so step six and seven are the reality that I am imperfect. I can deal with it. I can be imperfect. I can love me, and because I can, I can do the same to you. Step eight and nine, four and five are the deep cleaning. Six and seven rearrange furniture. Eight and nine, polish the windows to let the light in. I need new skills. I need to learn how to let honesty replace dishonesty. I did X, I regret my actions, I'm sorry I hurt you. I learn what what it's like to be unselfish, to consider someone else. So, it says, half the the way through step nine, our new guest enters. Okay, and that is what, what Naomi was talking about. The promises on page 83. We will come to know the word serenity and we will know peace. We will see how our experience can benefit others. The feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. Big promises. This is where, for me, there's no telling where that psychic change they're talking about back in the very first is going to hit. Naomi read through the section on huge emotional displacements and rearrangements. That's what's happening. Okay. Ideas, emotions, and attitudes that were once the guiding force of my life were cast to one side and a new set of ideas and emotions began to predominate. Okay. So I got this well new life. I have worked hard. I have taken inventory. I have sat down and talked to my sponsor and I have told her all and I've gone to my higher power and I've said, God, I I don't want to be this way anymore. I cleaned it up and clean inside. You can come in now and he does. And if I don't do something, I am going to go. If I am not working 10, if I am not doing the work of 10 and 11 and 12, I am circling the drain, waiting for the next relapse to take me down because step 10 says that we make these, we get these things. We get all this wonderful stuff. We get neutrality. We get a new attitude. It doesn't happen because we fight for it. It just comes. It's been removed. It doesn't exist for us. We're not cocky. We're not afraid. This is what happens so long as we stay in fit spiritual condition. Anybody who is ever trained for a marathon will tell you that they spent hours getting ready, especially the longer the marathon, the harder and longer they train. Spiritual fitness is a different sort of marathon. How do we train? What do I do? I look for the stuff that jumps up the house. I look for the dishonesty, the selfishness, the resentment, and the fear because those are the vehicles that the disease uses to re-enter my life. That's why it says to look for them because I've learned how to find God and trust him. I have cleaned house. Now I get to help others. 10 and 11 are part of the house cleaning. How does this work okay so i'm sitting here in my room every couple of hours i'm checking in with god and i am asking very specific questions i am asking what am i thinking what am i feeling emotionally and physically what am i doing what am i thinking of doing because those are the indicators if i'm thinking about food boy that's a tip off right there so I am monitoring how I feel. Step 10 is the ongoing process of monitoring my spiritual fitness. If I am having problems, I need to deal with them promptly. God, remove this anger or this fear from me. If he doesn't do it, I need to call somebody right away and say, okay, so-and-so, I have a resentment. Uh, 10 keeps the channel clear. 11 is me seeking God's will. What am I doing? Step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve my conscious contact with God as I understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for me and to carry that out. Okay. Okay. This is how it works. I told you earlier, I share my home with an adult child. We also happen to share, we used to share the home with her adult child. So I had a child, adult child, adult grandchild on the premises. Oh, the adult grandchild is an individual with grave emotional and mental disorders. He is autistic, bipolar, developmentally disabled. There are occasional arguments and it became when I started doing a nightly review, which I do every night and have since I began to seek for emotional sobriety and food sobriety, I began to notice how many times at the end of the day, I was reporting, I have a resentment against grandson. I have a resentment, and then I have to go for it. Eventually, my sponsor said, you have a problem here. And I said, yeah, I know. I know. So I did. we did some research on 10 and 11, and I began to monitor the resentment. I am now entering resentment. There is an argument going on. I'm going to go out and tell them what for. They're going to do it my way. Remember, selfishness is doing it your way, regardless of your motive. Oh, I've got to go out to save them from themselves. No, I don't. I found out about something called compassionate inaction. Compassionate inaction is just sitting down and not participating in the harm I would otherwise do. First thing I had to do to clear up this resentment was not participate in the fights. I had to come to the realization, which is where step 10 ventures into codependent territory. My best motive is selfish. Even my best motives are selfish. Okay, so I'm looking through it. I'm gonna tell him what to do. Selfish. Well, then maybe I should just go out and suggest something else. Selfish. But all I'm doing is trying to help. Selfish. Okay, so I go through enough of it and I'm finally ready for step 11. Step 11. Okay, God. I don't know what to do. They're out there yelling at each other. I can't stop it. I can't make it stop, go away. What do you want me to do? And so, God and I, I found out sometimes what God wants me to do is just mind my own business, to ask Him into the sadness and the sorrow and the grief of it, and to listen. And then when the dust is finally settled, he suggests something that I can do: go out and do to comfort the survivor who lost. So it's all about finding that presence and seeking it. It's not an easy journey because when I started out, I told you, The most important thing in my life is the ongoing awareness of the presence of God. It's how I abstain. It's what keeps me physically and emotionally sober. And in order to stay clear, I have to be on the watch for the things that get in the way, for the selfishness. I have come to realize that fear is self centered. It centers on, I'm not big enough to handle this problem. I think I, you know, it's me telling God how to do things. And that's not what this is about. This program is about walking humbly with power greater than myself. It's about sitting in the room during the arguments and the quarrels. It's about hearing the angry words fly and not adding to them, and not taking them in personally. It's about realizing that it's not anger that I'm feeling, it's fear and it's sadness. And that maybe sometimes God feels the same way when he hears me carrying on like I sometimes do. So I trudged the road. I do steps. I did my steps to clean house. I found a higher power I could trust. And I walked the road cleaning off my side of the path and seeking guidance. <laughs> and that's what I have to say Thank you for listening, my pets.
0: Thank you so much, Janice.
1: Muted, Sherry.
0: I think we lost Sherry.
4: Well, well, <laughs> see if she comes back. As uh, Naomi mentioned, we have had quite the weather. We have gone from thunderstorms and downpouring rain through. I have kept my phone quite handy because for all I knew, we were going to lose power and I was going to have to phone it.
3: Meaning <laughs> <I don't laughs> to go to, to, to any measure. We need to
4: go to any length. Any measures. Do we have questions, comments? We got about two minutes before you guys close. Uh, I see a hand.
1: Is it Carmen? Yeah, no, Carolyn. Again, hi, Carolyn. Ah, you need to be unmuted. Okay,
5: there we go. Hi, I'm Carolyn again. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say so much. Thank you, Janice and um, Naomi. It just—I got so much out of your things. I just, uh, like I said, I struggle with the higher power concept so much, and I'm just. I took a lot of notes. I'm very disorganized. So who knows if i will ever look over the notes, but it helped me like kind of consolidate what you guys were thinking help. And I just, it's just percolating in my mind. And I just really appreciate you guys coming. That was wonderful. Like, uh, I would be very scared to give a presentation. So that's wonderful that you guys can do that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. anyone else Did would
3: like oh there comes back sherry yay sherry <laughs>
0: i'm so sorry i lost the meeting i apologize i don't mean to interrupt whatever it is that's happening right now did you just have did you just ask a question carolyn and it's done
3: yeah we're just seeing if anyone wants to ask any oh,
5: I, oh hi i just made a comment saying i just appreciate everybody sharing and it has to percolate in my mind and uh it's just something that's just great. It's just triggering my neurons and it's just sitting there and it, it's really helpful because I struggle so much with the higher power concept. So thank you so much, oh. ladies and everybody that put this on too.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you. Sorry to interrupt your sharing there. Uh, and thank you, Jan. Were you just um, asking anybody if they wanted to share? Is that what's where we're at?
3: That's pretty much where we were at. I was looking okay. for the script in case you couldn't come back.
0: <laughs> oh, technology! Did anybody else have any questions? Well, I oh, and it says Trish anonymous. Sorry, that's this is Trish's account. I have to log in, but it's me, Sherry. Um, did anybody else have any questions, or we can wrap up a little bit early? I like a couple of minutes, not really that big of a deal, but no. Well, I would sure like to thank Janice and Naomi. I have gotten so much out of this meeting. Same thing with that was mentioned earlier about the connection with a higher power. I feel so much more, um, I have really, really struggled with it for years. Like my personal story is I came in in 94. And I had a very, very strong foundation with a higher power um, and then and lost my abstinence, got it back again, again, like real foundation. And then my mom died suddenly and I gave my life and my will over to God that day. And if that was the decision that God made, made, then F you was kind of how I how I went about it. and I have struggled, and, and I don't actually believe anymore about a higher power that like makes decisions like that. Um, I more believe in a higher power that helps me handle the things that life throws at me um, or or gives me, not necessarily throws at me, make it sound all like bad, you know. Um, but I have still, and that was in 2007, and I have still constantly struggled with this idea of being taken care of and that there is something big in my life. And both of you have really helped me today with that. So thank you. I know the meeting wasn't about me at all, but if the purpose of you being here today helped me, I'm good with it. <laughs> so thank you so, so, so much. And if there isn't anybody else who has anything to share, I will close the meeting. yep yeah. Okay, so thank you, everybody, for being here. Now I have to scramble to find the rest of the script because I lost the meeting and I lost everything that was in front of me because I was frantic. Okay, here we go. Thank you so much, Janice and Naomi, for being our speakers today. It was so wonderful to have you with us, truly. We appreciate you sharing your experience, strength, and hope while giving service to the OA program. Together, we get better. A reminder that the opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. Please remember to honour our commitment to each other's anonymity, take the stories but leave the names behind. OA Rise's goal is twofold. One goal is to provide speaker meetings and the recordings to support OA members. The second goal is to support the World Service Office. So We'll post the Seventh Tradition contribution information one more time in the chat. Please give what you are able um, so that we can keep OA rise going. And lastly, OA rise continues to look for members who are willing to give service to the meeting we're always looking for speakers if anybody has any speaker suggestions, we would really appreciate hearing from you. Um, And as well as members who would be interested in joining our committee and those who could volunteer once a month to help run the zoom meeting. So if there's anybody out there, we could use one more person, at least two preferably, but we could at least use one more person to help us run this meeting. It's actually rather simple, uh, not a huge commitment. And we can certainly teach you how to press the record button and then stop the record button. It's things as simple as that, but one person can't do it all. So the more people we have helping us, uh, the more we can just sit back and enjoy the meeting while having like one job. So that would be great if anybody could help us, please shoot me a message. And thank you everyone for being with us today. After we close the meeting, we'll open up the chat for a short period of time and you can unmute yourselves if you'd like to connect with others. Please join us for another wonderful share of experience, strength and hope. And my apologies in my franticness. I did not get to check what the topic is of the next meeting, but actually I can bring up the poster. Yes, here we go. So. Uh, The next meeting is June 19th, and the uh, topic is quit working the program and live the program. Uh, So that again is on June 19th, and uh, we hope to see you all there. I think that that is it for my script. After a moment of silence, we will close the meeting with the serenity prayer. I will speak it out loud, and I invite those of you who wish to join me silently. Thank you, everyone. Please keep coming back abstinent or not. Moment of silence, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thank you, everybody, for being here with us. And I am going to open up the chat. You can unmute yourselves if you choose so.